I'm going to go quickly to scripture here. I just want to encourage you something uh, as the pastor of this church. You can remain standing for the reading of God's word. I just want to encourage you in something as the pastor of this church. There was an old song that used to be sung by the Winans, I believe, that said, don't let this moment pass you by. When God shows up like he just showed up and is still here, it's resident, his presence is resident. He is inhabiting the praises of his people. I really encourage you to really push in right there and get what you need from God. I say all the time, God does not mind us having an entire church service. But sometimes he'll just show up in the worship and do what he wants to do, and he'll let us preach and do everything we want to do. But he's already done what he wants to do. And it's important that you don't miss those moments because one moment can be monumental in your life. Amen. So always be keenly aware that this is it. The river is here right now. Amen. And that's what I feel. Before I read our text today, I want to take a moment and pause and welcome two incredible people to our sanctuary today. And I don't know if you've noticed that services, you know, these chairs will be on the floor here pretty full one Sunday, next Sunday not so much because people are still kind of scared of this whole COVID thing. And, um, and I get it. And if you're at home today watching, we love you. There's no condemnation here. We speak the blessing of God over you. But for every guest that comes here, we are so grateful. Can you say amen to that? And if there's any first-time guest immediately following service, there's a room right over there, and we'll have a gift for you, and we want to meet you. And if you want to do the air high five, we can do that. And uh, we just want to be a blessing to you. It's right over there. But Pastor Manny uh, De Los Santos and his incredible wife, they pastored the Power Church in Amarillo, Texas. And they drove here today, yesterday, I should say. And the next time he comes, he's not going to be sitting on the front row. He needs to preach in here. This man is a preaching machine. But I'll be preaching for him at his revival conference, revival, at the end of, in uh, third week of October. Chris Hill is going to be there, some more great preachers. I'm just glad to be on the team, man. Just uh, let me bat first and get out of the way. But let's clap our hands for Pastor Manny one more time and his incredible wife. I love these people so much. Familiarity is, can be very, very dangerous, not just in relationship, but in Scripture. You have to be careful that when you read Scripture and preach from Scripture that you've heard before, someone's preaching from it, I should say, that you don't go, oh, he's going to preach from that text. I know everything about that text. Because as sure as you say that, God is about to unlock something to you that you've never seen before. And that's what I'm praying right now. Because I know God told me to preach from this particular area. So we're going to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 9. I mean chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. Man, I feel the Lord in this place today. What a powerful service. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Very familiar to us all. 
And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it, evil, may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Can I breeze through that from the New Living Translation? There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. Two words, so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Nudge your neighbor and say, there it is right there. There it is. Watch what he prayed. Please be with me in all. Please be with me in all that I do. And keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, The Indeed Blessing. Say that to about three people around you, the indeed blessing. And don't sit down because I have one more scripture to decree and declare over your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Lift those hands because I'm going to decree this over your life right now. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Mm. Come on, get them hands up now. And God is able to bless you. Ooh, I said he's able. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If you believe God's going to bless you real good today, one more time, give him the praise that he deserves and the one he desires. Now, before you sit down, look at someone next to you and tell them, you're going to need this. You're going to need this right here. And then you can be seated. You're going to need this. <clears throat> Two choices you don't get. You don't get to choose how you were born, when you were born, where you are born. The second choice you don't get is when you're going to leave. You don't get to choose the start. And you don't get to choose the finish. You just have to live the dash. And you can choose a lot in that dash. 
I'll leave that there for you to work through those details on a personal, on your personal time. There's a lot in that dash. Tell your neighbor the details are in the dash. Yeah. This phrase, I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. It's a good phrase. But I came here to challenge it today, to say these words to you that, no, you are not all that you used to be, but that doesn't mean that you are all that you will be. You are not all you used to be, but you are not all that you will be. Somebody shout, my best is yet to come. Look at your neighbor and tell him your future's so bright you should be wearing sunglasses right now. As we have been preaching on the blessing, man, I feel the Lord here today. And we have been preaching on the blessing from the devotional that we just finished and many people are involved. And if you do not have your book, I encourage you to pick it up today and you can pay any price you want to pay for the book. All right? I'm not going to give it to you because if I give it to you, you won't value it. So if you give 10 cents and that's all you've got, I'll give you the book today. Today. Now, next Sunday, that's probably not going to happen. But today. Because you need to value what you possess. Value what you're blessed with. And we've learned that the blessing comes through Communication, revelation. The blessing comes through communication. You speak blessing. Right? So communication is very necessary in the transmission of blessing. We have a language problem. Our linguistics are messed up in the house of God. We talk too much curse language and not enough blessing language. Hmm. To bless means to speak well to and also to speak well about. You can be being a blessing to someone when they're not even around. The worst thing you should do is be a curse to them by talking bad about them when they are not around. Right? But bless in the Greek is interesting because it means to consecrate with favor, to consecrate with favor, to set apart with favor, to use with favor. Consecration always has to do with usefulness, to consecrate with favor. But it also means to celebrate, to bless means to celebrate with praises. It's when you tell someone, man, you did great today. That was awesome. Jamie, you did a wonderful job leading worship today. What did I just do? I just blessed you, right? And I think we discount blessings by not taking note of them. The smallest blessing you should count. My mom used to tell me all the time, Ricky, you better count your blessings because I would be complaining that I didn't have the latest jeans or I didn't have the coolest bicycle in the neighborhood. 
My mom would always tell me, you better count your blessings. So when I wrote this devotional, I started thinking about it. If we did really count our blessings every day, I think we would lay down every night and say, we really do serve a great, great God. Because the good outweighs the bad. Say it with me, every day. Every day. It really does. The purpose of blessing is to protect you from potential harm. The purpose of blessing, and we're going to talk about this a little bit this morning, is to project you into your prophetic future. To protect you from harm, but then to project you into your prophetic future. Some of you are going to exit your historical past today. And, and you're going to embark on your prophetic future this morning. It means to perpetuate your purpose in the earth. Fourth thing it means to bless uh, the blessing, the purpose of the blessing is to prosper you. Don't be scared of that because prosper literally means to push you forward in every area of your life. Prosper doesn't mean money. Sometimes money is attached to it and we don't mind that, do we? If you don't like your money, somebody next to you said, they'll take it. I already heard it. I'll take it if it's bothering you. I, I'm repeating what someone else said. Shall we track our way through First Chronicles chapter 4? Do you have two hours for me today? I'm not going to be here that long. One hour and 59 minutes and we'll be out. First Chronicles chapter 4 is a chapter about lineage. Say that word. Yeah. First Chronicles chapter 4 is a chapter about lineage. Anytime scripture begins to list a lineage and it stops to give special attention to a person, it is for the purpose of arresting your attention. Are you with me? So when you're reading a lineage in Scripture and it stops and says, but this guy right here, right? It's like calling everyone out on a sports team and you get to the star athlete and you go, but this guy. Can I submit something to you today? In your lineage, you are that guy. Go ahead and shout it with me. I'm that guy. I'm that girl. I, I'm the one. Yeah, yeah. Y'all didn't feel that right there. Come on, say it again. I'm the one. I'm the one. Why? Why? Because it's with you that curses stop. You have said in your generation, that's it. That curse in my family stops right here. My children and my grandchildren are not going to fight the battles that my dad had to fight and that I had to fight. Say it again. I'm the one. It stops right here. Hmm. So when the lineage stops and says, but there's a guy named Jabez, pay attention, right? And when you stop to consider all you have heard about Jabez, I promise you, there's revelation you've never enjoyed. Tell your neighbor, we going there. We going there today. 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about identity. Identity. First Chronicles 4, 9 says, His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. Well, that's not the word that the King James Version uses. The King James Version does not say painful. It says sorrowful or with sorrow. Two words, with sorrow. His birth was with sorrow, which means to toil. It means his birth was with hardship or certain hardships or conspicuous hardships. His birth was with toil. His birth was with hardship. Here's the root definition. His birth was an offense. Hold on now. Now we just opened up a new chapter we've never seen. His birth was with toil. His birth was with hardship. His birth was with an offense. In other words, this thing didn't go down just right. Y'all didn't hear that. In other words, it wasn't a premeditated plan between mom and dad. We're going to have a child. This is one of those children that just showed up. And you lifted not one eyebrow, but both eyebrows. And you said, hold on just a minute. How did you get here? When the Bible says his birth was with sorrow, it's almost like sorrow was a companion to the birth. So it's not the process of the birthing, but it was the event of being pregnant that brought the sorrow. I hope you hear me talking to you today. It denotes the idea that it was more than just I'm going through the process of birthing this child and it caused pain. No, the whole event from the Time I conceived through the period of carrying to the delivery was uniquely sorrowful. Hmm. And I was thinking about that. Why is that? Maybe his birth caused offense because she was not supposed to be pregnant to begin with. And it's interesting that the dad is never mentioned. Now I'll leave that there for you to play with. But Jabez's father is never mentioned in the story. Talk back to him. It's just all of a sudden, whoo, a girl got pregnant. And for nine months, it was sorrowful. From the time she had to tell her family to the time she delivered the baby, there was nothing pleasant about the experience. Has anyone ever been through anything that you had to tell people about? You didn't want to, but you had to. 
And it wasn't a pleasant event. And the experience brought great pain to your life. Now, I know there's only about four of us in this building and three of us that are watching online that have gone through things in our life that started with pain. We carried it with pain. It was embarrassing to us. It was shameful to us. Watch this here now. Maybe his arrival, maybe his existence was a total embarrassment to his mom. And she said, when I birthed this boy, it was all about pain. Whatever the case, she gave him an identity when she said, boy, your name is pain. Jabez means pain. Now, how would you like it if every time you introduce yourself, you say, hey, Pastor Manny, my name is Payne. It's nice to meet you. Hmm. Isn't this something that we are labeled by things we go through? Until people get so used to your reference point being your mistake, that they can call you Ricky, but all they see is pain. Hmm. Hope I'm helping somebody this morning. But she gave him an identity, and the identity was pain. He lived in a perpetual identity crisis. Say it again. This man lived in a perpetual Identity crisis. Why you say that, Pastor Rick? Just because he was called pain? No, because of where he came from. Do you remember me mentioning to you that chapter 4 is a lineage, right? Well, the lineage, according to verse 1, is the lineage of Judah. So, so the question is, what happens when you represent praise? But you have caused. You have praise living all in you. But you have a reference. Talk back to me. Of pain. You want to praise. And every time you praise, you're reminded of your pain or You've made the good decision to say every time pain shows up, I'll let my praise that is in my line that lives in me supersede my pain. In other words, no, what, no matter what kind of problem or pain I'm experiencing, I know that there is a deliverance through what lives inside of me, meaning anytime pain pain shows up, a problem show up, I've got something inside of me that can make me minimize the pain and maximize who saved me. And that thing in you is called praise. And some of you live in too much pain and not enough praise. And that's why you can't lift your hands 
and lift your voice because pain is the denominator in your life and the major denominator in your life and not praise. And I came by to tell you today, take your praise and put it up above your pain and watch your problem get small and watch your God get real big. One thing for sure, there ain't nobody in this building today that ain't never been through some pain in your life. And if you've ever been through any kind of pain, I double dog dare you to exercise your right right now and pull the line of praise up out of you and praise him regardless of how you feel, regardless of what pain is saying in your ear. Woo! One thing Jabez never prayed, and this is where preachers get this text wrong, they act like he prayed for God to take the pain away. Jabez never prayed God remove the pain. I think he was just a little smarter than that. I think he was kind of like the Apostle Paul when Paul finally said, I'm content to be abased or abound. Whatever situation I find myself in, I'm good with it because I know who I am and I know what I'm carrying. Lord, have mercy here today. And Jabez chose to leave pain alone. I told my wife this morning for some weird reason since last Sunday when I laid down for my siesta and I woke up that I've been going through a certain pain in my body. I'm not going to tell you where it is because some of y'all going to go straight to COVID. This ain't got nothing to do with COVID. I ain't never read where COVID got in the back of your neck and hurt your spine. But anyway, I've been dealing with it for a solid week. And I've asked the Lord, like Paul said, three or four times to remove this thorn in my flesh. And he hasn't done it. And even when I'm preaching to you today, I can feel it. And I started thinking about Jabez, and Jabez was kind of like that. He just said, I would rather leave the pain in there because the depth of my pain reminds me of the value of my praise. So as long as I can feel something, it'll remind me of how good God is. See, pain, you got to watch pain. If you don't handle pain and you allow pain to handle you, pain will paralyze your progress. <laughs> I know a guy that wrote a book called The Blessing. And in the book, he wrote these words. We build our own prisons when we allow the pain we feel or the pain we caused to restrain us from the revelation of who we are supposed to be. Should I read it again? We build our own prisons when we allow the pain we feel or the pain we caused to restrict us or restrain us from the revelation of who we are supposed to be. See, pain will send you into the fear 
of never being hurt again or never causing hurt again. This is called self-preservation. Self-preservation can act as a false parameter that you think is insulating you and it's actually enslaving you. Self-preservation you think is insulating you and it's really enslaving you because with it you are saying, I will not try again because if I do it again, I might experience the same kind of pain. So I'd rather stay enclosed and insulated in my self-preservation rather than risk ever being hurt like that again or ever hurting someone else like that again. Somebody shout with me, there's a secret in the struggle. You didn't shout it, but you said it. I want you to shout it. Come on. Yeah, there's a secret in the struggle. The Lord brought me to this this morning, the identity crisis of Jacob, not Jabez, but of Jacob, was this. When he was along with God, an angel jumped on him. They got into a wrestling match. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you what? Bless me. I'm not going to turn you loose until you bless me. The angel finally got to the point that he said, let me go because the day is breaking. In other words, you might get more revelation than you can handle right now. I got to get out of here in the night season of your life because if the light turns on, it's going to blow your natural mind. You can't handle what's wrestling with you. And he said, I refuse to let you go. In verse 28 of Genesis 32, the man said, now your name will no longer be Jacob because, listen to it, because you have struggled with God and man and you have overcome. The secret is in the struggle. The struggle is you telling me you're changing my name to Israel, but all I know is Jacob. And I'm fighting for you, to, to, with you to transition me quickly from the identity of Jacob to the identity of Israel. And I'm having a problem with you. And I'm having a problem with myself. He said, you struggle with God and man. Man was him. It was himself. And some of you have been in a fight with yourself. And you've been in a fight with God because God said you're going to be this but you know you are still this and you're trying to get into this, out of this, into that and you can't figure out how to make that change and how to make that transition and I came by to tell you that you got to get the same attitude as Jacob had when he said, I might not be who I want to be but I can tell you one thing right now. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So watch this here. I'm in a fight for the identity, not that I have, but for the identity you told me I was going to enjoy. 
and I'm frustrated knowing what I can become. And I have to realize what I currently am. And if you told the truth in this building this morning, you would say the same thing as Jacob. You would be saying today that I know I can be better than this. I, can, I know I can be bigger than this. I can do more than this, but I'm locked into who I am, and there's a struggle. But Pastor Rick came by to tell you, hold on, because in the end of the night, whoo, you're going to say, I have struggled with God and myself, and I have prevailed because I'm not going to let God go until I become everything that he said I'm going to be. All I need is 20 people to say, that's me right there. I'm in the struggle, but I'm not going to let go. I'm not satisfied, but I'm not going to let go. I'm not there yet, but I'm not going to let go. Tell your neighbor, hold on until he blesses you. I know you don't understand yourself sometimes. And I know you don't understand God sometimes. But stay in the fight. Tell your neighbor, stay in the fight. Stay in the struggle. The struggle is solidifying your identity in God. Shout it again. The secret is in the struggle. Stop praying, God, take me out of the struggle and start saying, God, leave me in this fight until I become who you want me to be. Well, I have preached a good message, but that's the introduction. And I'm going to keep on preaching. And I'm going to let you know, you may be struggling right now, but your season of struggle is almost over. You're about to step into the light, illumination, and revelation of who God anointed you to always be. Tell your neighbor, don't mess with my blessing. I got to get to that place that God promised me that I would enjoy. I better stop. Whew. God is good. So the path whew, to Jabez's blessing was on a road called pains. The path. For Jabez's blessing was on a road called pain. In other words, if you're going to get there, you've got to travel this road called pain. Everyone say identity. Whew. I'm in the spirit here now, man. I'm gone. All right, let's, let's shift it here. Let's, let's graduate. Shall we? Everyone say instinct. See, there ought to be something about you that knows something about God. And some of you have preconceived about God, and you've drawn a picture and an image of who God is. And in your mind, God is mad and he's mean. And he can't wait to kill everybody and everything to get this over with. And if that is your perspective of your father, you will always live in the fight I just suggested to you. And you'll never arrive at a sonship identity. Jabez called on the God of Israel. Jabez chose to believe in the instinct of God. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? When God curses, that's not his instinct. Ooh, man. Have you ever preached so good you blessed yourself? That's what's happening to me right now. Preaching so good, I'm getting blessed. 
It is not God's instinct to curse. Anytime God curses in Scripture, it is a response. His initial instinct is not to look at you and say, you're cursed. I'm not even going to point at any of y'all. You're cursed. That's not his instinct. His instinct and the original intention of God for you is to bless you. The first thing God ever did for mankind was to, they messed up and his response was to curse. He don't start thinking, I'm, I can't wait to curse you. Just mess up, you little joker. I can't wait just to curse you. That's not the God you serve. It's the goodness of God that causes men to repent. Hmm. It is God's instinctive behavior to bless. Say it with me. It is God's instinctive behavior to bless. That's why he desires for you to have the same instinctive behavior. So Jesus says in Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you. And pray for those who use you. Pray for those who talk bad about you. Let my instinctive behavior become your instinctive behavior because your instinctive behavior says when somebody curses me, I cuss them. Am I right about it? Our nature, our damning nature says you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. I'm amazed with how many, at how many Christians have a hidden agenda to hurt people. They even use this kind of vocabulary. One day, they use this kind of vocabulary. Our turn coming. Just hold on. We're going to get them. I think the Bible says vengeance belongs to God. I think we're supposed to say bless those who used us and abused us and persecuted us and hurt us. Huh. Getting quiet in the building now. Instinctive behavior. Can we take it to one more place and then I'll leave you alone? I don't want to bother you with this blessing. I don't want this blessing to bother you. Let's go one more place and then I'm done. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that evil may not grieve me. Bless me indeed. Here's your Hebrew etymology for an indeed blessing. It is an absolute blessing. It is a distinct blessing, a pronounced blessing, a remarkable blessing, a incredible blessing, a ridiculous blessing, a manifold blessing, an abundant blessing, an indeed blessing. Now, I want you to look at someone and give them one of those blessings right now. Gino, I speak to you an absolute blessing. You're welcome. Butch, I say to you there's a distinct blessing coming your way. Christian, I say to you there's a pronounced blessing that's heading your way. 
Pastor Manny, I say that there is an absolute, distinct, pronounced, remarkable, incredible, ridiculous, manifold, abundant blessing coming to you, your family, and your church. Somebody throw your hands up and say, Lord, send the indeed blessing. Yeah. His prayer was this, Lord, bless me indeed. I'm only going to get to one line today, but I'm going to wear this one line out. He said, enlarge my coast. Come on, somebody shout it. Enlarge my coast. The first pronounced blessing that I want on my life is for you to enlarge my coast. My first indeed blessing. I want you to enlarge my coast. So I thought about something here. When we have reached limitations in our life, that is when we need the blessing of God. <laughs> we must reach limitations before we ask for our next blessing. It's hard, almost impossible to expect the blessing of God when you've not reached the limitation of your last blessing. Man, I'm feeling this thing here. Come here, Christian. Come on, Isaiah, I'm going to need your help. Come on, Butch, stand behind them, please. Eli, you stand. It's single file right here. Come on this way. Social distance. Six feet, six feet. Back up. There you go. Here's how we pray. We say, Lord, here I am. Help me, Jesus. And you start getting this vision, right? If I could just get right there, I'm good. And you pray, and you beat back the pain, and you keep your praise, and you push forward, and you prophesy, and you intercede, and you fast, and then you worship, and then you put your praise back on, then you read the Bible, and then you wake up one day, and you say, my God. Thank God I'm not what I used to be, right? And you start thanking God, boy, I'm here now. Look at God, look at God, look at God, look at God. Boy, you just thrilled about all that God has done. And you stay there for a while and you say, Lord, I thank you. You brought me right here. Lord, it's good right here. I'm so happy right here. I'm not what I used to be. My God, if you could have seen me how I was and you could see me now. And you know what? Before long, that gets old. And your blessing now becomes your boundary. Because now you have maximized your capacity and you've reached your limit. My Bible says that he can do anything that you can ask. My God is able to exceed anything that you can ask, think, or imagine. So when you get right there, if you're not careful, now you will begin to inebriate yourself with activity that brings another kind of satisfaction because your arrival now has become your destination. And God ain't never ordained you any destination in this earth. Your only destination is in heaven. You are on a journey 
This is not your destination. So when you get right here, if you're not careful, you start entertaining yourself. Even preachers pray, I want this many people, I want to do this kind of stuff, I want to get right here. They get there. And then they go, man, what's next? So they start filling voids with dangerous stuff. When you get to that line, you better pray like Jabez. Lord, enlarge my territory. And you better pray and fast and intercede and worship and study and push until you get there. And when you get there, you got to say, Lord, I thank you that I'm not where I was. But if you get satisfied here, then welcome to your future. And you got to say, I reached this line. Lord, take me to the next line because you are able to do all things that make me abound and hey now I get to this line and I say I'm not what I used to be and you get happy about that but then you gotta say there is more tell your neighbor there is more there, and you gotta say move that line right there and you got I will never forget I will never forget the dreadful Sunday morning that I woke up at four in the morning to study and pray and seek God. I knew I would be driving to a building that had over 4,000 people in four services that day. I'm in the mirror and I heard a voice say, what does a man do when he arrives at a place he only imagined himself to be? I had reached my limit. And I said, this is it. It's a dream. Integrated church, best music, best ministry, 38 full-time employees on staff. We're doing it. We have arrived. And what does a man do when he arrives at a place he only dreamed of being? And then you wake up and say, there's nothing left. Five charter schools, 3,000 troubled children. We've arrived. And I didn't know that I was responsible to pray again. Lord, enlarge my territory. Tell your neighbor you ain't there yet. There's more for you. You got to pray again. And you've got to ask God to do it again. Psalm 115, I'm about to go crazy in here. Verse 14, here's your blessing today. May the Lord make you increase. Both you, I've arrived. But God, bring my kids up here. And then Lord, when I'm finished, take my kids further. May God bring... Tell your neighbor it ain't about you. It's about those who are after you. Y'all not hearing me preach to you today. May the Lord increase you, both you and your children. The word increase means to do again and to do more. There comes a time when we feel like we are done and God says you are not done. Do it again. 
even if you have to do it somewhere else. And when I reached my limit in San Antonio, God said, I'm not done. You're going to do it again, and you're going to do it somewhere else. Tell your neighbor, I'm not done. Tell some, they didn't listen to you. Tell somebody else, I am not done. I have increase. I have multiplication. I have addition. I have more living inside. Tell somebody, you've not seen the best version yet. Sit down and get your popcorn. Enjoy the movie because we are about to go to places we have never. I wish I had some Holy Ghost filled people in the building that would jump around and give God praise today. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound. Not stay, but abound. Go further. I need somebody to throw your head back and open your mouth real big and shout, I'm busting loose. You didn't say it like you meant it, shout it. I'm busting loose. Say it again, I'm busting loose, I'm busting loose. Pastor Jerry, come up here. Come on. Come on, man of God. Stand right here. Woo. Come on, Pastor Jerry Vasquez. Lift, lift those hands, brother. Re casando cabose. Pastor, the Holy Ghost is all over you right now. God said, dream big, my son. Dream big, think big. You ain't seen nothing yet, Pastor Jerry. Pastor Manny, will you go lay your hand on his back? Come on, somebody, pray in the, pray in the field. Come on, the limitations are coming down. The lines are moving back. Shout it with me, there's more, there's more, there's more. Come on, shout it five times. There is more. There is more. Come on, there is. There is. I think we need to say it three more times. There is more. Come on, I believe something is breaking. There is more. There is more. Be very careful. Be very careful of the heads and the hands you allow in your business. Yes, 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 yes. 
say it again, be very careful of the heads and the hands you allow in your business. If they are not multiplying you, they are decreasing you. But everyone involved has an agenda. I looked at my wife. I looked at my brother-in-law. I, I told my wife this, and my brother-in-law told him he, he needs to have his headphones on right now because he's working. And I told him, you better not miss this message. He texted back and said, I got it on loud and clear. So I'm telling him now. look at them and I say I have never been around two people with more creative imagination than my wife and my brother-in-law I start wrapping my mind around it and I thought Lord these are millionaire people to advance your kingdom and as I'm praying, the Lord said, too many heads and too many hands. See, some of you are where you are because you listen to the voices instead of the voice. You let people speak into you and they built your limit. That wasn't the line you wanted to get to. That wasn't even in your dream. Throw your head back and scream, there is, more. there is more. I want the devil to hear it. Come on, say it. Don't let that devil decrease you and diminish your dream and make you small. Small people and small thinkers ain't never done nothing but complain. Open your mind. That's why there's no line, listen to me, in your imagination. It's only in your language. Y'all missed that. There's no line in this imagination. There's a line in your language. And your language determines and dictates what goes on the screen of your imagination. You are writing your own motion picture. And when you start saying things like, I'm done, you're done. But when you start screaming, there is more. You sat back down as a screenwriter. And you start saying, next scene. See Isaiah? Come on, lift your hands. Right, come on, Summer. Come up here, Summer. Lift your hands here. See, you got to tell your neighbor, keep writing. Keep, keep writing. Come on over here, Summer. Y'all lift your hands. I'm going to go ahead and bust y'all out right here. If you're mad, you can fix it later. Lift both of your hands high. Come on. Both of you lift her hand. There you go. The line got moved. One phone call. Pastor Rick, this is Pastor Clint. Clint Brown. You know that boy in your church? That tall boy that jumps around? Yeah, what kind of guy is he? Passionate. What other word? Full of zeal. What other word? Hungry. What other word? Little silly at times. 
What other word? Get on your nerve every now and then because he wants to be in your presence all the time. Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick. And then he goes, that's just the guy I'm looking for. I said, make him an offer. And the line got moved. And people will tell you, not a smart move. Don't do it. You know why? Stand in a circle around them. Come on, guys. Come on. Because everybody wants to keep you where you've always been. But sooner or later, you got to say, God, enlarge my territory. Y'all walk over there. And you got to step out the box. And you got to get over there. Somebody ought to give God praise right here. Lift your hands. I prophesy to you. Everything. Hey. Everything. Hey. Woo. Everything you dreamed of. Everything you prayed about. Everything you sought God for. You was frustrated. And you said something ain't fitting. Something ain't right. Because God was bothering you. And God was troubling you. And God said, I got to get you. You even went through pain, misunderstanding, confusion. But God said, I was pushing you to get you to the pay. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I need somebody praying in this building. Come on, Summer. Come on, Summer. Hey, in the name of Jesus, somebody give God praise here. Look, kneel down there and pray for your husband, your future husband, your fiance. Pray for him. Everybody praying. See, I don't know about you, Gino, but if I can just get into a tent, and I know God told me to get there in that tent, I'm good. Are y'all with me? And here's God in the tent. Here's Abraham in the tent that God told him to get in. Are y'all hearing me? And he's good. And then God sends an angel, go tell my boy, there is more. Angel goes up to the tent and says, Abraham, come out the tent. He comes out. He says, what? He says, God tells me to tell you, if you can count the stars, if you can count the sand, you can count your posterity. You can count your inheritance. You can count my blessings. But if you can't get out of the tent, you will never see what I have prepared. Tell your neighbor, come out. Come out wherever you are. Quit hiding in shame. Quit hiding in fear. Quit hiding in pain. Quit hiding in insecurity. Quit hiding in the past. Come out. Come out. There's bigger, there's better, there's more. If this is your word, come on.
Come on to this altar right now.